Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. So if you have a Bible or if you want to use your phone to look up Scripture, um, we're going to be in the book of Exodus, which is the second book in the Bible, chapter 14. So it's actually pretty easy chapter to find, Exodus 14. And I have a real simple idea to introduce our topic. I think that there, no, I am sure that there are moments in time when people are instruments of hope to other people. I am sure this is the case. There are moments in time when people, you and I, are instruments of hope for other people. Some examples of this uh, up on the screen, this is Zechariah Good. He was just standing right over here helping to lead the worship. And Zechariah has lost 88 pounds over the last week and a half. <laughs> That's not true. The 88 pounds part's true. But I think over the, like, the last year, 88 pounds. And you know what that does to me? That gives me hope that I might be able to lose a few. Does that make sense? What other people do can bring us hope into our situations. This last summer, a friend of mine that I had been praying for, uh, for since high school uh, made a commitment to Jesus Christ. That's a long time to try to pray for and encourage a friend. Yeah, it's really exciting. And um, I found out, because I'll even take every once in a while, I'll take a trip to Fort Wayne, that's my hometown, and he's a person that I've tried to stay connected to and keep some priority, just because he's a great guy, and I always wanted to know Christ. Well, anyway, when I was down for a, a meeting this last year, I found out that Jeff had made an appointment with a pastor to get baptized. And in, in, in that, I can't really describe uh, well what that did to me. I'm like, you've got so awesome. I was so excited for him, and I was uh, probably not central to that, but maybe a little part of the team of people that have been trying to encourage him. I was driving home from Fort Wayne. I called my wife. Uh, my wife's name is Denise. I said, Denise, you will never guess what happened. Jeff made an appointment to get baptized. And my wife said to me, because she knows me enough, I, anybody ever struggle to think, are you really making a difference? Are you, know, are you real? There are times I just think, oh God, I'm pathetic at trying to help people come to know Jesus. And I, I've been in that season for a while, and my wife said to me over the phone, she said, Mark, maybe God is telling you, you are still effective. And when she said that, it was the exact thing that I needed to hear to bring hope to me to keep going. Make sense? Sometimes what we say, what we do, it's the right thing to bring hope in somebody else. Maybe you've been in a financial pinch and someone will come up to you and they will give you an envelope with some money in it. It's exactly what you needed to give you hope to keep going on. It's a thing. With me? We can be instruments of hope. A couple Bible verses. 2 Corinthians 5 says we, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are Christ's ambassadors. Well, we serve a God who's a God of hope. And an ambassador is a trusted representative authorized to speak and act as an agent 
uh, in this case, as an agent of God. You can be the person who represents God to bring hope to somebody. 1 Corinthians 13, 6, talking about Christian love, describes us, if, as we grow in our Christian love, that we always hope. And we can bring that to other people. So, with those thoughts, uh, we're in a series called Hope. And today we're going to explore how we can be maybe better instruments of hope to the people around us. By the way, I think there'll be some practical application. If you're in a situation where you need some hope, there'll be some stuff for you as well. Before we move on, pause and if you would think of a friend or family member or situation that right now they could use hope. This is like your assignment. You're supposed to be thinking about things right now. Can you think of any? Like a friend, you can think of financial situations, or I thought of a family member who is in a season. Every so often, their their schedule is just crazy hard, and it would be good if I could be a person when they're hopeless in their schedule that I could be helpful. Can you think of anybody? Well, with those situations in mind, we're going to explore a text where a man named Moses, of course he's partnered with God, but he's I think an instrument of hope into this situation. So in Exodus 14, the scene here is God's people, the Israelites, are on the run from their slave masters, the Egyptians. They've been in slavery for years. And they're running from, because God's released them, running from the Egyptians. And the Egyptians are following them. And God's people, the Israelites, get to a big body of water. It's called the Red Sea. Some of you know this story. They get to the Red Sea. And then they turn around. And here comes the, this massive, organized, uh, equipped army that are coming after them. And so God's people become hopeless. All right, that's the scene, and let's pick it up in verse 10. It says, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites, that's Pharaoh approached, that's, and the army, this massive group of soldiers, as they approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Moses is the leader, was it because there was no grave? I'm sorry, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you, wine, 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 didn't we say to you, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. They don't have a lot of hope. It's over. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you you need only to be still. Just a couple more verses. Then the Lord said to Moses, 
Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. And if you finish the story, Moses raises his staff, his stick, God intervenes, and they not only escape this hopeless moment, but it's actually a huge transition point. They will never deal with that season of slavery again. This is the final, this is the end of the slavery season. So the title of the talk is bringing, I'm sorry, becoming a hope spreader. And what I want to do is explore some things that Moses did as he partnered with God to bring hope to this massive group of people that were hopeless. So I think this will apply to some of our situations and and the people we want to serve. So let me pray and then I'll give you a couple things. I pray, Father, that you would talk to us in such a way over the next few minutes, whether we're at home, whether we're here in the auditorium, that in our neighborhood, in our family, in our city, that the levels of hope would increase this week because we would say or do or somehow we would be your instruments. Not only that, I pray that, that during the talk that you'd impact us enough that this might change uh, our effectiveness for the better, maybe for like our whole lives, that we could just end up being instruments of hope. So talk to us, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I've got two ideas here on what Moses did to interject hope into the situation. The first one is this, if you have a handout, you can write this down, or you can make some notes if you're at home. Moses interjected hope to the hopeless by declaring some direction. Declaring some direction. We're going to talk about the fact that he said something. He said something helpful. If you recall from verse 12, this is the whiny section, the hopeless section of the story. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. I feel like I have a weird accent this morning, like some valley, like die in the desert. So anyway, come on, Moses, don't think he was dying in the desert. Anyway, so they're doing this thing, and here's what I would submit to you. It's a bad situation already. You know what would make it worse is if Moses says nothing, he speaks nothing into their hopelessness. So if they say, come on, Moses, <laughs> sorry. If they say, we're going to die, and if Moses just looks at him and goes, I got nothing for you. Do you see what happens? If he is silent, it is a passive affirmation of their concern. Does that make sense? So verse 13 is really important because it says, Moses answered the people. He said something into their hopelessness. So here's a fill in the blank. When hopelessness was the dominant emotion, Moses decided to raise his voice. When hopelessness was the dominant emotion, Moses decided to raise his voice. And we're going to explore that a little bit. 
not just in concept, but what practically, I'm going to give you three practical things that I see Moses interjected into the scene, just through his, like what he said. And so, again, we'll put this, this is Moses' hope speech on the screen, right? He says, do not be afraid, and you will see the deliverance of the Lord Uh, The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. There are three things that I see here that he said, did, was maybe strategic about. And the first one is this. Moses' hope speech contains some don'ts, some, some do nots. And he starts with, do not be afraid. And, um... This is a kind of a simple point, but many hopeless situations are perpetuated by activity that people should just stop. So I think sometimes one of the best things that we could do into a hopeless situation is if we have insight to something that they're doing and we say lovingly, quit that. <laughs> like that's not helping. So stop that thing that you're doing. By the way, if you need some encouragement on this, a whole bunch of what God says to us through the scripture, like thousands of times people will be in a bad situation, a hopeless situation. You know what God will do? He will give direction and different. Sometimes he just says, don't. It's like, stop that. If you want to explore something in Exodus 20, I don't, I'm not going to put it on the screen. In Exodus 20, there's a list of the 10 commandments. Read them this afternoon and consider how many of them are don'ts. Like, it's the, it's the awesome, loving Father, creator of all things, and he knows how to make things work well. And you know what he says? Don't do that. This is not going to be helpful. Stop that. In fact, most of the Ten Commandments have a heavy emphasis on don't do this. So you can be a voice to help a friend, neighbor, somebody say, hey, this this year." Quit that. So Moses had some don'ts. He also shared some do's. He gave them, arguably, an assignment. Back in the text, like he says, stand firm. Don't be afraid. Stand firm. It's an assignment. This, again, is a pretty simple concept. Sometimes we, we get stuck in our hopelessness, and what can pull us out is a to-do. Like, do something. So physically, do something. Go for a walk. I'm just going to sit here and be hopeless. So go for a walk. Uh, emotionally, we get wrapped up in ourselves. Have you ever done this? You end up getting wrapped up in yourself? I'll answer for all of you. Yes, you do. <laughs> right? You, get it, you end up in your own brain. And sometimes it would be helpful for someone to say, let me give you an assignment. Go serve someone else. Like, go do something. Relationally, find a friend. Go do, you know, uh, you know, applicable this weekend. Get in a group. If you're in a in a down place relationally, like get in a group or start a group or you know do something. Those do's can help pull people out of the hopelessness situation that they're in. Mm-hmm. 
So he had some don'ts and some do's. Uh, the third thing that Moses' hope speech contained was something about God. Something about God. At least two places in his speech, he talks about the Lord. Right? Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring. Verse 14, the Lord will fight for you. And this is the most challenging part of his speech for me because there are some times when I will try to bring hope into a situation and I might bring some counsel, maybe some stop doing that, some do do this, some of these things. And God forbid, I never get to the part about God. Because ultimately, you and I can be instrumental in bringing hope, but God is the instrument of hope in the world. So this is just that challenge to you and I in the midst of those situations, and this is sometimes the tension part. Well, you, you got to at some point bring up God. I had a total fail on this this last week, and I'm mad about it. I totally failed at interjecting something about God. I was in a I was having dinner with some friends. We were at a restaurant. I had this really kind server, and she was doing a great job. And about halfway through the meal, it felt like, and maybe, maybe God was just giving me some insight, it felt like there was a shift. And all of a sudden, I realized it's like our server's countenance had changed. Like, she was help, help, still being helpful. But I just, like, I don't know, maybe you've experienced I'm like, whoa, she's going through something. And so I had this thought. So it came to me two or three times when she'd come back to the table. And so at one point, I just reached out and I said, are you okay? And, yet, and then maybe you've seen this happen. It, it was the right thing to ask because you could see it in her face. She was like, <gasps> and then she shared a little bit about some stuff. I, by the way, I kind of had to ask her twice. That's worth noting. Some, if you want to know what's going on in someone's life, ask them once, ask them again, third time they'll know maybe you really do care, and they may tell you. So I think it was the third time. Are you, sure? Are you all right? You okay? Because it feels like third time she was like, bleh. No, it wasn't a, it was kind of like, you know. But then she actually shared about some stuff, and it was some stuff. And so I know it was, it was a little awkward because there's, you know, and she was busy and all that. But as I, as I left, I remember thinking and repenting. I, I may have encouraged her a little bit, but I totally failed to somehow say something about God. And I do that. I just, it was just my, my failure this week. And, I, and you can do this along with me. Sometimes failure is helpful because you realize how bad it is, and then you go, I'm not doing that again. So I like re-signed up. You got to get to the God part of the story. Because he's way more powerful than just our stuff. Does everybody understand? So share your testimony. Try something. I know it's risky. I mean, they may reject you, but who cares? You still get to... Most of the time, they don't. So I just noticed that Moses had a lot, had stuff in there about God. So we're going to finish up this point uh, just with this idea about engaging and trying to help people. It's this. It's just going to come up on the screen. The next time I encounter hopelessness, I will not be silent. That's my commitment. I'm like, I'm not going to be silent. I'm going to try to bring something to the table. Because if we don't, our silence can just sometimes affirm their hopelessness. 
So that's the first idea. The second idea is this. Moses interjected hope by doing something. Not just saying the right thing, but doing something. Verse 15, the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. And here's the doing something, verse 16. I've liked, I have liked this visual for years. Because he says to Moses, raise your staff and stretch, it, stretch out your hand over the sea. So some of us who know Bible or watch movies, we know this part. And so, you know, God's spoken to Moses and he goes over. Now, Trish, try to imagine this, Right? He's already said, don't be afraid. God will deliver. You guys, don't be so hopeless. And then he walks toward this big body of water with this stick. And does this thing. Probably for a little bit. And here's what I think probably happened in the minds of the crowd. What do you think is going to happen, Right? There's a bunch of them when he says, don't worry, God's going to stand with you. He will deliver. There are people thinking, this guy is nuts. Right? Now, we know the story, so we know he wasn't. But in that moment, he has to do this thing. <laughs> By the way, this is not a creek. This is like a sea. This is like, what in the world do you think you're going to do with the stick? Moses, that's not a big enough stick. So some people, you would easy to think, Moses is crazy. But here's what also could have happened when he actually does something. Some people actually shift into, Moses actually believes that God is going to intervene. And here's what I would submit to you. That doing something sometimes can shift, shift. You have to say that right or you cuss in church. Shift, leave the F in there. I'm sorry. I lost my whole train of thought now. <laughs> Where are we? If you <laughs> don't say the word again, you're, do you know what they said? You're shifting. See, that sounds a little. Sorry. Okay. I really have lost it. Kathy, you should be praying for me. So some people, when he holds the stick up, it would move them into, he really believes this, and could take them out of hopelessness and into, maybe something's really going to happen here, especially when he stands there for not very long, and if you read the rest of the account, the wind begins to blow in some, some kind of a way that ultimately God, how does God do this, sends some kind of a cutting wind that pierces through the water and starts to drive the water in different directions. But Moses' activity starts the process of this movement. It's really, really important. Arguably, if he never does the stick thing, this story never gets, is not part of the account. can write this in. Don't underestimate the power of our or your activity. Don't underestimate the power of when you do that little thing. Sometimes it's just a little thing. That can create traction. 
to pull people out of hopelessness or, or engage the power of God into a situation. A little practical uh, story from years ago. This was probably 10 years ago. Uh, my daughter, who's now uh, 20, in college, she was younger. I think she was 10, 11, 12. We were out driving. Must have been this time of year, snowy out. It was not unlike this last week, you know, where there's like snow on the roads and all that. So we're out driving. And we come across a car who had slid off into the ditch. And it wasn't a giant ravine or anything, but it was enough of a ditch that if you've got some life experience, you're like, hmm, I'm not sure that, you know, they're probably not going to get out of there. They had tried pulling back and forth, and you could just tell this is not going to work. And I actually thought, I'm not sure we'll be able to get them out. But maybe, you know, I had a little bit of hope. Maybe we can get, so I said, hey, you up for it? To my daughter, Anna, I said, let's get out and help them push. So we got out, and we began to push this car. And we could make some movement, you know, we'd go forward and, you know, you're hollering, oh, turn the wheels, turn it all. And we, then we'd move back and we did this for a little while. Do you think we got it out? No, we didn't get it out. But you know what happened? Because we were doing that thing, another car, I think, looked and went, oh. And so they stopped. And then we had three or four, maybe five people, right? That's more energy and we're pushing it back and forth. You think we got it out? No, we didn't. We'd still just back and forth. We're like, ah, we do this back and forth. And then here was the moment of all moments. Up pulled Cowboy Joe with his monster truck. <laughs> now, was, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it was a truck, you know, one of those, like, you have this, it was cool. And, and here's what I think, because, you know, he's pulled up and, you know, rolled down his window. It was cool, because he was in there, and I still remember his... His wife or his girlfriend was right next to him, you know. I'm like, where are y'all from? He was just this, hey. So, and he pulled up and said something like, I'll bet I can pull that thing out of there and uh, grab the chain, Ethel, and we'll write this whole thing. And I still remember him, because, you know, I'm not skilled at pulling cars out, but he knew where to hook that chain on and all this stuff, and whoo, and pull, pull that car out of there. And here's what I would submit to you, that you don't get, that part of the picture that ended up getting this hopeless situation fixed was even my daughter and I's little part where we stopped. And then that created some momentum where somebody else stopped. And that created enough commotion so that Cowboy Joe, I was trying to come up with another name for him. Oh, anyway. It's all part of the story. Don't underestimate you doing what you can do. And you know who Cowboy Joe is in the story. That's God. God's Cowboy Joe. God comes. I am convinced that the Lord will see sometimes our activity, and he will see what we're doing. He saw what you did, and you acted out in faith, and you had hope. And then God says, I can pull I can trick that thing. God doesn't talk like that. But he, he says, I got this. And he does, you know, it was, this probably is not relevant. I still remember in the story, there was a backup truck. When, when Cowboy Joe was pulling it out, there was a guy behind him waiting, just in case Joe can't get it out. I can get my truck. If his truck won't do it, my truck will do it. We like had a, it was crazy, but it starts with somebody caring and somebody doing something small, and you never know what God will do in the midst of that. 
Okay. What's so much fun? Luke, if you want to explore a story, a Bible story on this in Luke chapter 5, there's a story of some men that carry a man to the presence of Jesus. And they basically, this is what I, they do what they can do. There's a paralyzed man, I assume maybe it was a friend. They, can they heal their paralyzed friend? They cannot. What can they do? Well, we can carry him to Jesus. They get, by the way, if you read the story, they get to, they get to the house where Jesus is and there's so many people, they can't get him in. And so they think, well, what can we do? So they end up climbing on the roof, tearing a hole in the roof. They lower this guy in front of Jesus. And I wonder if what happens there is Jesus looks up. Here's the guy. I wonder if Jesus is not thinking in his mind, man, if you guys can do that, I can sure bring my power and fix this situation. It's important what we do. So, of course, practically, Pause, think of some of the situations in your life, your friends, your neighbors. And then here's the takeaway challenge at the end. What can I do today? Is there something you could do today for that friend, family member, who could use some encouragement and hope? You never know what your activity just today or tomorrow or the next time you're in a situation. So he interjected hope by declaring some direction and doing something. Why don't you stand? We'll close. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.